Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me, I got, well, I, w- I was about to say the regular people, but they're not here right now. I got Trevor and Noble. Hello. 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 Um, so they are here to talk about, actually, uh, an upgrade. I'm going to say upgrade because it actually looks really cool, but they are, are from Veil of the Void and with a new, I keep on wanting to say DLC, but I know it's not a <laughs> DLC. Uh, but before we get started talking about that, um, I would like to first ask, so how did you guys first get into the hobby of tabletop? Uh, well, for, for my end, uh, I started... Oh, oh my gosh, it's back when I was like 15 or so was when I got into actually, you know, playing tabletop games. Uh, and eventually I had an idea for Veil of the Void, this universe kind of circulating around that I wanted to see if I could make it run in any other kind of tabletop game, mm-hmm. uh, which it didn't work. I tried like 10 or 15 different tabletops and I was like, you know what? It doesn't fit. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to make one myself. Um, and then that's what uh, led to the creation of Bell the Void, uh, which has completely taken off and become its entire new entity. Uh, and then uh, I actually knew Noble uh, from uh, through high school friends, and uh, she was an amazing editor who helped me edit Bell the Void. <laughs> Oh, nice! And uh, she also wrote the. I commissioned her for some cl- for the class stories before in the first game too, uh, and then yeah, Noble, you you took it from there. <laughs> oh, that's super yeah, cool! Overboard, <laughs> <I'm> taking it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with going o- overboard on these these kind of things. Uh, so how about you, Noble? How did you did you get into the hobby uh, from Trevor, or did you uh, kind of uh, start on your own? Uh. No, I, with the high school friends that we met through, we would kind of start campaigns in various systems every now and again, but I was never mm-hmm. really super interested in the game. I was kind of just there to like hang out with people. Yeah. And, um, so none of those ever really went anywhere. And I went so far as to like say that I didn't even like tabletops at like at all so um mm-hmm. whatever the experience was was not it was not fun and i felt like it was a waste of time and then somehow um well it's been several years now <laughs> um five years ago i think it was probably yes. that trevor was like hey uh i'm making this thing and i was like awesome i want to support my friends doing their the thing that they like to do um how can i help so long story short, I eventually ended up sitting in, quote unquote, sitting in on <laughs> one of the sessions he was running for an alpha test for Veil of the Void. Yeah. Somehow I ended up playing and somehow five years later, I've played it like every week since then. <laughs> and then and somehow you've and there's, written a book. Yeah, there's Yggdrasil now, so I don't <laughs> even know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think that's how everyone gets hooked into it i i i like yourself and i kind of appreciate this because i always find people have been playing rbgs for so long i was a late bloomer myself i had no friends who played it and i was told 
hey, why don't you come and try this? And I was like, no, this doesn't like seem it. interesting to me. <laughs> and then they're just like, come for one session. If you like it, you'll like it. And well, I guess I liked it. <laughs> I think what's really cool too is the fact that, like, like she said, you know, she didn't really like those. And then she played Bill the Void and, and had a good time with it, which made me so relieved. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, if Noble doesn't like this, okay. <laughs> oh, there will be people who don't like it. <laughs> oh yeah, there will be. It's how it is with every... I haven't run into any yet, but there will be. I'm, I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> well, and th that, that's the wonderful thing about RPGs too, is because... I, I think oh, a lot of people will try them and they'll only try like the big system and they'll be like, oh, you know what? It's not for me. But really, mm -hmm. there's so much uh, out there that you're like, hey, you know, I never thought I would like this. And now I'm obsessed with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I, this mm -hmm. system seems to jive with me. And, I, and it's funny because even I have systems I love playing but I hate GMing and I have systems I would love to, I love GMing, but I'm just kind of okay on uh, playing. Yeah. Understandable. Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone there. Mm -hmm. There honestly is. And nowadays it's like, Oh my God, the amount of mm -hmm. selection you have, like you can literally find an RPG about almost everything nowadays. There's a lot of them, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, onto the topic at hand, uh, we are here, of course, to talk about Veil in the Vo of the Void. And before we get started about, again, I keep on wanting to say DLC, uh, <laughs> uh, with your expansion book, uh, why don't we give a quick rundown of the actual game itself before we get into uh, the rest? So how would you, how would both you actually describe Veil the Void? All right. Well, uh, Veil the Void, like I, I like to always, you know, tell people about it's a uh, sci-fi fantasy uh, tabletop role-playing game that's all about storytelling and narrative setting your character and your character's progression and story at the uh, forefront of its design um, it's all about character progression and the fun narrative play both in and out of combat and setting up really fun cinematic scenes uh, that everybody can kind of work together for um, to create just a ton of fun at the uh, at the table uh yeah it's something i really love <laughs> <laughs> oh i can tell you've been uh i think when, when was it first released like the initial or when it was it 2016 2019 oh, gosh uh yeah it was about six six years five years ago now i, I i've lost count honestly <laughs> <laughs> i probably need to look up when the original one came out i think it was like 20 2019 you were getting so around there. I was writing the stories in 2018, so okay. Well, that sounds about right. So it must have been 20. Yeah, I think it was like early 2019, like 2019. that it released. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And uh, what about you, Noble? I I know Trevor wrote this, but as someone who went into it to play it initially, how would you describe Veil of the Void? I would probably have to echo that. Uh, character progression because that the the fact that the skills increase you increase your skills as you play the character even if you're terrible at something you can if you roll it a lot then you will get good at it um, <laughs> that is something that really taught me so it's the it's the character arcs that are possible within the storytelling of mm -hmm. Veil of the Void that really that's what it is to me oh nice Oh, and what what about? Because I know 
your your setting it's quite expansive and it's very mm-hmm. intricate how would you describe uh the setting uh well like i've said it's 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 definitely um a good mixture of the two of sci-fi and fantasy uh but it's really more than that um we we basically give you every little tidbit that you need to create your own version of the universe um so really my my favorite thing of Veil the Void especially since we included all these homebrew rules and guides is to just see what people create with their universe instead of just purely using ours yeah. but even just the base game is like you know there's there's a ton of sci-fi and fantasy elements and you can lean either way or like i said you can just go full create your own you know make it cyberpunk or make it pure sci-fi whatever you'd like to do a fun world though and uh, we're expanding on it with Yggdrasil. yeah uh, it, it is actually a really fun world and some of the for anyone who's really curious i'm not going to go too in depth here so we can get on to the rest but if you're curious, uh, we have an old episode called Veil of the Void. Mm-hmm. In fact, you were our very first guest. Our very yes. first guest. Uh, and if you want to hear a little bit more about it, it is actually really cool. And you have some of the neatest classes I've seen. Like, not classes, races I've seen. Which... Oh, good. I'm glad. That, you know, a lot of people really like the varying species and the classes. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. We, we tried to make you know, take some of the tropes of fantasy and sci-fi and make them not so standard. Yeah, and you, you honestly did a really good job at it. I feel like you can see where the the homage to the fantasy races are, but you've really just kind of twisted them into your mm-hmm. own I, I sci-fi versions of them that are very mm-hmm. distinct, and I really, really like that aspect of it. Um, but anyways, on to the new project... Which I may be mistaken on this, but I feel like there's some Norse uh, influence. <laughs> some, some Norse inspiration. I don't know, Noble. Do you think there's Norse inspiration? I really tried to cover it up, but I guess, yeah. <laughs> guess we're gonna have to reveal that here and now, huh? Yeah, Bill waiting to chill. Norse inspired. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but no, it, uh, I've just got you guys uh, recently just sent me uh, the review coffee, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this looks really cool. So, oh, good. <laughs> how how I remember even back then, uh, you were talking about how this one was in the works. When did you start working on the Idrisol project? Oh gosh. Uh, well, Noble, when did you start? Like, I don't remember when you actually shared it with me, but I know you were working on it, like, at least a class yeah. before. <laughs> I started working on, I think I started working on the Valkyrie class early in 2020. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I don't know how long it took for me to tell you that I was doing that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. So, so this is kind of like uh, noble. This is your brainchild. Um, pr- probably, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the author of this one. Look, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. honestly, even just from what I've seen, like I know I've said this already, but like it, it already looks really, really polished. And the fact that uh, the Kickstarter hasn't even launched yet—that's. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so, how Noble, how did you first think of adding in Norse mythology into Vale? Um, 
that well, did it did it originally come with the class? <laughs> um no, uh, yes. Yes. So I have a mild interest in Norse mythology outside just like I don't know, just that it exists. I'm a hopeful novelist outside of my work with Trevor on Veil of the Void. And so mm -hmm. one of my first outings that will never see the light of day was a um, sort of historical fantasy, like a boring fantasy. Like there's no magic. There's nothing really fantastical about it, except that it is definitely not historical. So um, <laughs> um, just kind of based on Norse mythology. So I did a bunch of like reading on Norse mythology. So it's something that I knew something about enough to like, think that it was cool and it would be cool to have something like it in Veil of the Void. And so I think talking with Trevor a little bit about it after I had kind of started the mm -hmm. um, Berserker and the Valkyrie, um, there were just a lot of parallels with the universe that Trevor had already created yeah. in Norse mythology. And so we are like, why not? Just kind of <laughs> just do it. Let's go for it. It sounds super cool and like it yeah. could be a fun time. <laughs> well, I think that's one of my favorite things about this is like Noble's Noble's definitely like the lead author on this one, but we're both able to bounce ideas off of each other and like some of my older mm -hmm. classes, I'm like, oh, I can add and make this fit in her universe version. And and it's like it's so cool how we can both co-author this thing and like bounce ideas off each other and inevitably because we bounce those ideas off each other we're giving each other more work to do but <laughs> so much work <laughs> so much work but it's okay <laughs> it's going to be amazing at the end of it and uh yeah like noble like her ideas like side note i always tell her this but she's like my favorite author mm -hmm. uh to read because i just love her content so the fact that she's writing a veil of the void thing is like i just kind of like geek out over it <laughs> every time i read the content I'm just like, man, this is so good. And she brings new perspectives into Veil of the Void for classes and stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. So, like, the classes, the ones that she created in this book are just so different. And they're fun and they're unique and they were kind of slightly overpowered and confusing. And now they're great. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> for it's, a lot of them, I just sent him a copy that just had, like, the pound sign in place of numbers. Because, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I like about Ingersoll, though, is it's it's kind of a testament to to the homebrewing section in Veil of the Void, because mm -hmm. I didn't have to help Noble that much until like you know we decided, hey, let's actually make this a book, and I was like, all right, cool. Now I actually have to do number balancing, but like I mean, everything she made was using her own ideas and and mm -hmm. using some of the base homebrew, right? Yep. Like for the yeah. for the first it. it for all of Valkyrie and Berserker, ex except I think the level 20 for the Berserker, because I was like, I don't know, at that point I was, <laughs> had no idea. But I did, I just used in the back of the, in the back of the Reforged rulebook, mm -hmm. I just consulted that and I made, I don't know, like 50 monsters, two classes, a couple of species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so a huge testament to the homebrewing guide, thankfully, and it, it's why I like to encourage all of the people that play our game to, to not be afraid, you know, to homebrew your universe. Oh, yeah. And it was super that, fun, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the point. <laughs> that, on a, on, like, I, I don't want this to become an episode all about uh, a home brewing, but like, I, I that is, it, okay. it, it, it could be we I it, and honestly, like home brewing 
I I love the fact that you've in the base uh, uh base edition you've added ways for people to add in their own homebrew content, how to create aspects cuz it sounds weird, but I almost feel like a lot of players and GMs are almost afraid to homebrew their own stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Speaking from personal experience, when <laughs> I was GMing Dungeons & Dragons, I was horrified to adjust anything because it's so difficult, in my opinion, at least at the time, to homebrew in that game. Because it's like, oh, if I barely make a mistake on this monster and give it something slightly too strong, I TPK my whole party. <laughs> <laughs> Or I, you know, give them a broken weapon I didn't think about. So I wanted to make sure with Veil of the Void, I like I love seeing other people's stories. You know, that's like the most fun thing. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I included basically every single rule I used to make this game. And we're adding even more reef uh, homebrewing guides in Yggdrasil, too, uh, particularly oh. dedicated to like homebrewing starships and stuff. That is an awesome update because everyone loves spaceships. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, and I wanted to add more because uh, a few people have asked, they're like, they're like, well, I love the vehicle section, but cool if there was more in there. And I'm like, oh, trust me, there's a I lot like coming. <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to overwhelm Reforged with a ton of information. So I was like, I'll just keep it simplistic and then we'll expand on it in the future. Stuff. So <laughs> Yggdrasil's going to have some fun. I mean, what, Noble? I have like all the vehicle maneuvers in there now. We have like a whole homebrewing section. Noble There's and I are going to work together. Stuff. Yeah, crafting. We're going to work together to make some like fun Norse-themed starships and stuff and mechs and all that. So I am so glad you're adding in crafting. For one, it is an oh, underutilized God. resource. And two, you're making a game about Norse like that's or that's Norse mythology. What what is one of the major things you think of with Norse mythology? Them making these mighty weapons and all these mm -hmm. cool things. I am so excited that you said that. Um, that that it, it's always been like my dream to actually have a game that can manage building and crafting more than oh you know just uh, roll this one d six and then oh, wait three boy. months. I'm like oh oh boy, I'm excited. I'm excited now. I, I'm really hyped about the uh, crafting section for this yep. uh, because like. We're going in depth into it. Uh, I added. I don't know why I decided to do this again. It's just painful more for me. But <laughs> it makes gave, for a great book, though. <laughs> it does make for a great book. This chapter, this reforge or this um, uh, forging chapter, is going to be like. Oh, I, it's almost going to be probably like 25, 30 pages at this point. Um, but we're having every monster, every adversary in Vill the Void Reforged is getting a unique monster drop item so that as a GM, you can reward players with, you know, logical drops now. Yeah. But then each one of those drops can be used to detail craft weapons, armors, clips, magic, potions, spells, everything like that. And we're giving you like detailed guides on how to do all of those. We're going in depth with potion crafting and then we're diving super deep into rune uh rune enchantments and uh descendant runes which are like basically a mini module that you complete as a player to craft this legendary weapon that has super effects on it which i'm very excited to work with noble on that one because we're going to make like some fun little mini stories for your characters to complete in order to earn these runes oh it's, it's if you like oh. for, if you like crafting at all 
I this is this is gonna be it. No, that, so one of the, I find one of the issues with crafting is usually it is kind of a downtime activity when your characters are not technically on a quest and it mm-hmm. takes time. How it, it sounds like you may have, but I I would love it if you elaborated. How how did you? How did you come up with the ideas to make the crafting fun? For okay, well, yeah, for me, everything should be a story or something enjoyable to do. Mm-hmm. And I like building like, you know, one of my first characters I ever made was like a blacksmith who just wanted to travel around and gather materials to make like the best weapons and things. Um, and I was like, well, how can I make this really fun? And uh, while well, not overcomplicating it, you know, because it's easy to overcomplicate crafting systems yeah. uh, if you're not careful. But yeah, I found there's a few different ways. Uh, one is just giving you that narrative base. Like, you know, you, you get into a combat, your character scans adversaries or, or things around you, and then you can actually take your time after combat to remove parts from adversaries that you can use later on. And then during your downtime, you can spend a little bit of time to craft weapons from those items or uh, things like that. That's like the base stuff. From there, you can go on to rune enchantments where you're actively having to gather magical presence from the battlefield, or you can find these eternal forges across the universe and and imbue each of these runes with like a intricate system of crafting that just builds up a su- huge cinematic scene of your character like really investing their heart into this uh, weapon. Or on the the top like t- storytelling side of it you can go on a huge quest line dedicated to earning a legendary rune that you can then put on your weapon. Um, so there's there's hundreds of new ways to uh, craft stuff in Veil of the Void, but uh, I really love how it's just, there's one thing that's just like fully dedicated to the storytelling aspect of it and encouraging not just like, you know, oh, I make one check, and now three months later, my weapon's done. No, now it's like, okay, I heard a rumor about this legendary weapon, uh, Mjolnir, and now I'm going to go fight this huge lightning beast that was defeated by it. And then I'm going to inscribe the details of the quest upon this uh, script and then enchant it with magic. And there we go. I, you know, After a long series of a few sessions of quest storylines, you can now craft this really important weapon to you uh, that you know, actually becomes a part of your character and isn't just a standardized weapon, you know? Yeah, um, I, it, it kind of just occurred to me that um, with this system too, you because in a lot of other games and everything like that, it's like, oh, here's my ancestor's sword, but wait a minute, this sword is a plus one to damage, and then you throw away your ancestor's sword. It sounds like... You've also, I don't know if this was intentional or inadvertently, but you've figured out a way through the crafting to be able to have your weapon from the start grow with you and become your almost like unique signature weapon, quote unquote. Was that an intention or was that is that almost like a byproduct of it all? That was entirely intentional. Oh, <laughs> I wanted you to be able to start the game with a weapon and then uh, end the game with that same weapon if you want. Uh, because there's there's a few uh, games I've actually played, not not tabletop games, but like actual video games, mm-hmm. that let you do that. And I'm like, you know, that's such a cool thing you don't really see in tabletop games. So I was like, you know what? Let's, let's make something kind of like that as well. 
uh, it wasn't the the biggest focus, but it was something I wanted to make sure I included in there. No, no, no. That's uh, it, 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 when you're talking. It did seem intentional. I just wanted to make sure. But mm. it, I really like that you have that aspect. Um, ju- and just because I find with a lot of games out there, the downtime activities seem almost like shoehorned in to just kind of do at the end of session when mm-hmm. people are kind of not really playing, and you've kind of added into that play to actually make it a more well-rounded uh a well-rounded experience yeah and um, you know noble did that really well with the valkyrie too and the watcher um if i if i if i think so noble because <laughs> uh you know how you added things like well you can have a, a literal meeting with valkyries to discuss you know important mm. things during downtimes or you can like train with uh your thralls and stuff can't you yeah um yeah i thought that was like the questing and training sort of part of the norse mythology Mm -hmm. and that kind of fits in to the crafting because i'm yeah it it's something that can take place over a long period of time and some it's I personally think this, I could be way off base, but I think it's the storytelling <laughs> that makes you kind of forget that all you're doing is rolling yeah. dice, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're completely on base there. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, yeah, so if you have just a little bit of spice, I guess, to add on top of that, then your imagination can take you anywhere. <laughs> exactly. And, and you can tell this game is meant to promote, like, including, sorry, I'm, I'm, at the same time you guys are talking, you're like, oh, the Valkyrie one. So I'm like, go finding the page for the Valkyrie and just taking a look at what have it. It's, it's very well thought out. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to ask, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, cause you said you don't have, you didn't have too much experience with uh tabletop. And I find that that sometimes is actually a big benefit when designing a game, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but did you were you able to create something in the in this thing that it's just like you you've never seen anywhere else but also that you could honestly say this is unique to me for sure yeah i think i was definitely benefited by having read as little as i have um Mm -hmm. in the tabletop space um because i was just going off what I thought a Valkyrie would be in Veil of the Void specifically. So I wasn't drawing anything mm-hmm. from anything else. Really, the only other rule book that I've read in its entirety was Fate. Um, so That's a fun one. I, I really like that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I, and I haven't heard from anybody that the Valkyrie is very much like X other class from some other game. Um, so it seems it seems that it was good for it being unique because frankly I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I I like that though. I like that you're able to bring this perspective of someone who's not really played a lot and then there's me, someone who's read like 300 books or something now <laughs> to make sure I'm not copying everything to be like, okay, yeah, this is definitely unique and uh I like the way this is. <laughs> 
I think the only thing I've ever heard someone compare the Valkyrie to is they're like, oh, it's kind of like a Pokemon collector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Without the Pokemon. Oh, with the, what is it called? The Thralls? The Thralls, the yeah. Which is a really neat combination, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Um, one sec, I'm just reading the, that's the Faded to Valhalla one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the Valkyrie needs her very own sheet. On which to track. Yes, don't worry. I have I have that designed. Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> don't worry. It's going to be it's it, even without it, I think it's not like it's it's a lot of writing obviously in the beginning, but also I'm a maniac and I literally handwrite every single character sheet that I ever Yeah, you're you're, you're nuts. <laughs> but but that said, I feel like there's not a ton of categories in which to like keep track of. No, and as I was working on designing so you could a, without a sheet, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and as I was working on designing a sheet, like you still kept it fairly clean. Like it, it's not, it it looks a little intimidating, but like once you actually start writing it down and realize how often you're actually going to have to like mm-hmm. consistently go back and add new things, it, it's not that bad. And it's the same system as the skill points. Yeah. So, oh, so. okay. So yeah. the, it's not like there's like a whole new thing to learn with it you've almost like integrated into it so it's very easy to understand right off the hop oh yeah one hopes (laughs) oh i i definitely i definitely think so uh especially after i started reviewing it and stuff i'm like yeah this is this works i understand (laughs) so i know uh valkyrie is was kind of almost the start of this but would you be able to tell me a little bit about the other classes um, start out with the Berserker because I think that's the first alphabetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Berserker is kind of a barbarian-esque, um, very concerned with where it's located on the battlefield because the Berserker rage kind of makes him a little bit uncontrollable. Um, <laughs> but with also the ability to shapeshift into animals for the specialization, like the bear. And nice. a boar. And a wyvern. Yeah. And, and a, a, sorry, what was that? A wyvern. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you, your specializations allow you to actually transform into one of these creatures. Oh, yeah, here it is right here, wyvern form. Yeah, so if you uh, want to turn into a little dragon. <laughs> well, who doesn't? <laughs> right? Uh, that was like, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> <Exactly>. That sounds <laughs> awesome. And after that, if it's, I see the next on the list is our Rhapsodist. Yeah, so Rhapsodist is one of mine that I added to uh, meet her uh, Norse-inspired universe. Uh, Basically, Rhapsodist was what I always thought a bard should be, a storyteller first that plays music on the side. Um, And I really feel like I hit home with that. You know, at level one, you can begin telling a story either you can actually role play the story or just say, you know, I'm, I'm switching it to more of a tragedy, tragic theme or to uh, something of that kind, giving bonus effects to your allies or hindering uh, enemies based on what you choose. Uh, And then from there, of course, you're a lore keeper. So you get to keep understanding of, of your culture's history and stuff like that as well. Um, And then, you know, your specializations are focused around either you know, being a, uh, a a snarky satirist who's constantly <laughs> mockering, mocking people, and 
and uh, or you could be like a dancer who's really cool, moves around the battlefield, dragging adversaries with them in a dance and or taking uh, allies with them and stuff like that. Super cool combos. And then, of course, you get access to melody spells, which allow you to like break out into power ballads and and, uh, you know, have like these beautiful ensembles to the backing of your story. Uh, yeah. But it's definitely what I wanted a bard to be as a storyteller first with music on the side. No, that it sounds weird because or it doesn't sound weird, but I, I feel like you're 100 percent correct on that, where a lot of times the bard is just always the musician. They don't think about all the other little things that you can add into it, which actually makes a bard a bard. They're not just all pervs. Yeah. When you look <laughs> at bards and skulls throughout history, like they're the secret keepers. They're the spies. They're the ones that keep the ears of kings and man, you know, so like. I wanted to make sure that I, I nailed that aspect first and then add, you know, some of the music-y or combat-y stuff on the side. Uh, I'm very specific about what I think bards should be. <laughs> and just out, of, just out of curiosity, you know, because you said that you have quite a bit of knowledge on Norse mythology. How, how does, like, in real Norse mythology, how does, how do, was there, like, bards or... Were they mostly storytellers? How 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 did it work in? Yeah, they yeah. were uh, they were skalds, right? Skalds. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Called skalds, and they were. I think I could be mistaken, but I think it's from Norse mythology where we get the idea largely of the warrior poet, because yes. these guys weren't just like you know going around and telling stories like we think of your standard fantasy bard today. Mm -hmm. It's like no, these guys they told stories about stuff they did. Sometimes with other people, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think we, we, we nailed the rhapsodist in that effect. I, I, I like. I agree. Yeah. Sci-fi warrior poet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's cool too because we designed the class like we always do because you know we're all about you reflavoring the class to fit what you want. So mm. even if you have a character who you don't want to tell stories, like I ran, I tested it and I ran around with a a sci-fi DJ who just switched out hollow discs <laughs> as she played the game to to give everybody the different effects based on the music she was listening to that would be cool if i was to play this class i would play it as uh i, I would take uh modern influence from viking metal <laughs> oh there you yeah. go yeah. yeah i saw that guitar and i instantly like for that picture i'm not too sure if that one's staying in or not uh just because it has placeholder <laughs> but i would totally kill to play viking metal in a game yeah and that you know you can now with veil of the void and what's fun too actually melody spells like speaking of you know viking metal and battle of like bands kind of things yeah. when two when an adversary is playing a melody spell when you're doing it at the same time you can like shred your guitar and send a battle to them and then if you beat them <laughs> you cause them to lose the battle and they can no longer play that spell <laughs> oh my god so funny it's it's it's, it's one amazing. of my favorite interactions <laughs> it, in my in my own like brain right now i just it automatically converted to like anime but like viking anime where you just see two like two people almost like powering up playing like the guitar and you see the energy like clashing against each other that's just automatically where my mind went i know totally oh no so that, that, that sounds amazing <laughs> and th that's what i love about Vale of the void with what noble and i have created here like it's so cinematic everything is cinematic and it yeah. just creates such cool scenes in your mind as you play 
Oh, that's fun. Um, next one after that is a spirit color. Yeah, spirit colors are real cool. They're basically my version of a summoner. Uh, they can call spirits from the spirit domain, like ancient powerful mm-hmm. beings, to assist them. Uh, they can call like Skull and Hati, uh, for instance, to help them out. One dealing elemental damage, one healing. They can summon uh, uh, Svalin, the, sh- the, sh- the shield from Norse mythology, to increase everyone's durability and strength. They have a ton of different ways to uh, summon different spirits to assist them. Uh, and they're really cool because they have Galliarhorn, which they can actually use to turn a single targeted spell into an area of effect one around them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're really cool, you know, just summoning classes. But then on top of that, their specializations, you know, one of them allows them to turn into a literal weapon that your allies sure. can use. So you can become oh, a living weapon. <laughs> That's actually really that's so okay, that brings up a whole nother line of thought. So how what if you turn yourself into a weapon for mm-hmm. your allies, how would how would you still be able to engage in the story at that moment? Because when you think of a weapon, you think it's you know, you're not really in control of your character anymore. How did you uh yeah, how did you balance it so that the person's still at play? Yeah, it was really important to me that it, you're still at play. So what's fun? is while you're still in your your sword form you're not out of the match on your turn you can summon your spirits you can control what they do you can launch spells uh outside of your turn if the person who's wielding you is about to be attacked you can activate yourself to uh block and defend the person who's wielding you so that they don't even have to use their reaction to do so like there's all these cool things that you can still do while a weapon you know as you're as your ally is using you to bash someone upside the head, uh, <laughs> you can still be casting and fleeing spells everywhere, summoning your spirits, and just supporting your allies without even having to move. So it, it's just a fun little extra thing that you can do that I thought would just be kind of silly, but kind of entertaining at the same time. Because, I mean, Norse mythology, like we've said, is very important with weapons and stuff. So I thought that would mm-hmm. be a fun time to do. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, that no, that sounds cool. Because the moment you said it, I was just thinking, I was like, I wonder if, like, because you can, do, like you said, you're like, uh, you have a very character focused game, and I was just thinking, mm-hmm. I was like, but that almost sounds like it could be less character focused. But it really, the way you described it, okay, now I get it, and that works perfectly with your game. Yeah. No, it's 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 kind of ridiculous, but wonderful at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, you're never you're never in just like unable to do so <laughs> that's very important <laughs> to me in design that you're never just like oh i can't do anything i think it almost kind of helps out the um quintessential summoner i guess i think of a summoner as being like a backline player yeah. and being able to turn into weapon kind of gets you even if you're not the one choosing to attack this particular thing you still have your spirits that you summon and whatnot and can control mm-hmm. um and it kind of it puts you back into the thick of things somehow yeah. Plus, I mean, what's what's funnier than saying, you know, here, I need some help. You know, give me a weapon. And then you're, oh, I didn't mean you to be the weapon, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can, like, you know, if someone uses you for the killing blow on the on the boss. <laughs> Teamwork. Team building. <laughs> uh, does it have to be a melee weapon or can you can also be like, uh, 
Uh, so I just have it as a legendary form weapon, so it can be melee or ranged. It, would, it can be what you would like. They share the same kind of stats. Um, one gives you a bonus to a dodge check. The other gives you a bonus to a defense check. So, oh, so just in theory, let's say you want to, like for summoning, uh, you summon a creature to help with you. Could you turn yourself into a mounted weapon so that you could, and I'm just throwing out this animal because it's kind of, could you be, could you summon a polar bear and then attach yourself as a cannon to the back of the polar bear? Yes, there is a rule that allows your summons to use you as the weapon as well. Excellent, wow. excellent. <laughs> that is. So if you want to be a polar bear with a ray gun, go ahead. Do it to your heart's content. Finally, finally, my <laughs> dreams can come true. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Noble, I just thought. What if someone, what if a berserker turns into a bear, you get someone who rides on the back of the bear, and then the spirit caller transforms into like a ballista, and then there's just a person firing a ballista from the back of a giant berserker. That's a three-person party all right there. It's all in one square or two. Oh my god, yes. 10 out of 10 would play again. <laughs> 10 out of 10? You're cutting yourself short on that, man. 12 out of 10 would play again. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, so the next class after that is the Watcher. Wouldn't, that one looks, just from the image, it, it looks like it's more, is it like a Palin type style? or? Uh, <laughs> I frankly have no idea what to compare this class I, to. I don't know either. I, I'm, this is one of mine. I made it with the idea of like a I don't even know. A god killer was like one half of the idea. So like yeah. just very focused on fighting the bigger monsters that you come across. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the other half was like the idea of Heimdall and watching the realms because Veil of the Void has a lot of those and to get bonuses yes. based on the realms that you're watching. Oh. So whatever that is. Yeah, so Watcher's those. been changed up a few times. But... Uh, <laughs> Because yeah, I wanted it to be cool. <laughs> no, it's totally understandable. And, and it's like, I, I think the Watcher's in a really good spot right now. I, I think agree. it's so cool that you can change based on your cybernetic you have. Uh, you can, like, change what you're looking at, which gives you a bonus effect for, like, up to an hour. And these effects are kind of insane. You can give yourself true sight. You can give yourself, you know, additional reactions. You can make yourself unable to be ambushed. Like yeah. there's all these options and bonuses that you can grant to yourself. And it's like, you know, things can't hide from you because you have this perfect vision. So, you know, when people fail covert checks against you, you get better attacks against them. And 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 then, like uh, Noble said, you know, it's all about taking down big monsters. So, like, as the game goes on, the the tougher and stronger and more terrifying creatures are your bread and butter. <laughs> they become Ooh. your watch targets. You can just take them down. You know where they're at, what they're doing. You, know. you can go make a beeline straight toward them and ignore reaction shots from other creatures on your way. <laughs> yep. Um, Which is totally... I just like, thought that was a sweet image. It's like... <laughs> such a good image. Like You're just like slightly dodging out of the way as all these arrows and stuff are flying <laughs> past you. And you're literally just staring at your watch target. <laughs> that one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the music is building in the background, explosions going around and everywhere, but like your character is just you focused. Yeah. That's actually that that's really cool. I'm I'm just kind of imagining it's like this 
It's like a, it's almost like a Swiss army knife with its capabilities. Cause like you said, it can change based off of what it needs to. But at the same time, it's a Swiss army knife that kind of has one of the blades and it's just a giant ass great sword. <laughs> yeah. Pointed directly at the bus usually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was supposed to grab out the spoon. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a I good class. One. It's, it's a very good class. All of them are. All all five of the new ones are so much fun. Nice. So well well while you guys well while you guys were designing this, uh was there any challenges that you guys faced on trying to implement this like, you know, the Norse mythology or even like the new kind of like systems you have in place into the existing game? Was there any issues? For the Norse mythology, I would say absolutely not. That was yeah. somehow it felt like it was made to be that way from the beginning. <laughs> as I was, the, like, the more I got into it, the more yeah. I was like, wow, this is just, I, I basically don't have to do anything. It's already right. Here. And the more we <laughs> talked in person with each other, I was like, wow, how did everything line up so perfectly? <laughs> what is this nonsense? <laughs> this it was unbelievable to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. We, I remember when we were just like, you know earlier stages of talking about this we were talking about oh yeah you know the godlings caused a lot of trouble in the void and i was like wait a second were they the ones that poked the dragon and woke it up and we're like yeah that sounds like them of course they were oh, okay so they basically destroyed all of the void nice good job godlings <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny how much like you know the mother tree was already in the book uh and i never wrote her to be yggdrasil you know non-intentionally but yeah. yeah, all of her roots connected to the realms and, you know, she was a huge portion of life. And so we're like, all right, well, she's just Yggdrasil. She's perfect. <laughs> it just fits for it. So uh, Noble's ideas, so they fit so perfectly in this universe somehow. Uh, and, you know, even the rule set, I think the only complications Noble and I have really had is misunderstanding. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, this is what this class actually does. And once we once we get it out there and we can clarify it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But and uh, some of them have taken years because I don't have necessarily the vocabulary to explain what it is that I am trying to do mm -hmm. because of my lack of experience in other role playing games. So I try my best to explain things within like what Veil of the Void does, but I'm also not very good at that. I'm much I'm a much better communicator in writing. <laughs> After yeah, the third or fourth edit. <laughs> that's all right. That's why we make a really good partnership, though, because she has these You're beautiful so ideas. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, she has amazing ideas. And then I can just look at it and be like, okay, how can we make this mechanically work? Um, and, you know, you, you, you come up with like, like the Valkyrie for the biggest one. I just misunderstood mm -hmm. based on like one word of what they did. But once we had this discussion, we're like, oh, okay. So we just need to add a little bit of clarification and we're all good. So, like, I think that was the biggest difficulties, and even that wasn't anything. <laughs> it surprised like, me how little changes ended up being. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to adjust much. To, you did a great yeah. job. <laughs> no, that, that's honest. Like, it, it's kind of funny. I almost feel like um, it, there's only one sentence that kind of comes into my mind, and I'm sorry to quote, uh, Bob Ross, but you know, there's no mistakes, only happy little accidents. All right, yeah, you can never, you never can, be sorry to quote, quote yeah. Bob Ross. <laughs> you, you, can, you can quote that 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 icon anytime. Okay, okay, okay. 
but yeah, no, that that's honestly is it. Is there anything in this book we may not have discussed that you are uh, especially proud of? Uh, and you guys can have different answers on this one, if you. Because like there, there, there's honestly a lot. There's a lot. Co- there's a lot. There is a there's lot. There's a lo- like we've only covered a little bit of the reviewer copy, considering this book's going to have some like three hundred plus pages. Who knows at this point? I think um, the reviewer copy has almost a hundred. I believe it now. Yeah, I see you. You were doubting me at first. I, <laughs> I was. was like, "Trust me, <laughs> we'll get to like three hundred fifty, almost four hundred pages." You know, if we're uh, <laughs> if there's yeah. a lot of content we have here. So ninety six on mine. Yeah, yeah, you got ninety six on yours. In the base Yggdrasil copy I have right now, it's already up to one hundred and twenty five. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, I, 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 I've got at least a somewhat understanding of how big books will be, so I, I'm saying at least 350 plus at this point. <laughs> God, so much. Yeah, but you know like, what? It's an expansion for a reason. No, no, and... no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that like, like I always hate it when you get like these expansions where it's like, oh, look, here's 20 pages of new stuff, and then look at all these different like, and it's then after that it just skips to like, oh yeah, and here's by the way 50 pick pages of images and te- and 10 pages right. of new monsters and i'm like Ugh. is this really worth it but right even just like from this alone what i'm looking at i'm like there is so much new here oh yeah and oh, i yeah. have barely even like we've barely even t- like touched on it and it- it's insane how much there honestly is. I might have to end up doing my first ever overview of something just to try and properly explain all this. Oh, hey, nice. <laughs> Let us know when you do it. I love I love listening to other people <laughs> dive into these things. But yeah, you know, I think it was very important, like with Noble and I, like an expansion should be an expansion. You know, you shouldn't yeah. just get, oh, here's like 10 new pages of content and then I'll get a ton of fluff or, you know, <laughs> you know, not much that you actually get like there when i say there's new content there is content and not only that we're adding content that still uses the original game so like they work together yeah (laughs) that was the biggest thing i think to me was that yggdrasil is extra like additional cool stuff but it doesn't make obsolete the the, other stuff exactly exactly and that is very important yeah as as frequently as i could i referenced the old the old stuff and like brought in old species like this isn't an entire newly new universe it is taking place within the old one so i think that's what i'm probably most proud of was how frequently i brought in old spells or had Mm -hmm. tied in the elan to the godlings or you know whatever things like that which was so good i love it (laughs) You, you 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 created new while still making sure that the old was still yeah yeah, because yeah. no. it's still super cool. The Reapers yeah. are some of my favorite, probably my favorite uh, tabletop race just ever. The Reapers so cool. are pretty awesome. <laughs> Lynn was amazing. Yeah, he's cool. But yeah, I think, I think I have to echo what Noble said. I think that's my favorite part, is that Yggdrasil literally is the universe just expanded. That, that, that's That's... Awesome. That's just awesome. I hate how much I say awesome when I'm 
have a lack of words when I'm just impressed with something. That's and fine. Probably, probably my listeners are t- annoyed at that too at the same time. Yeah, but... I mean, it is pretty awesome. It's a... <laughs> It honestly is. Like, even before we started this, I was gushing about even just like the borders on the sheet on the like mm-hmm. on the sheets i was like wow this and it just suits the theme so damn well and i love when there's a like i know our listeners right now can't see what i'm looking at but they know i have issues when it comes to cohesive themes or doing like things mm-hmm. that are completely out and it just everything feels so cohesive in this and i really appreciate that and it's okay. easy to read it's not sometimes like there's so much thrown into it and it's such a nice and easy read trevor works so hard on designing <laughs> the like the layout and everything and like he does he does a great job it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah and well you know it's like I, I tell people i i take like like i did what i did for reforged right i yeah. took the idea of stuff that's difficult to read i looked up the easiest to read fonts mm-hmm. in the world took those fonts i looked up the easiest colors on the eye so that when you're reading the background paper it doesn't stress your eyes to read (laughs) i looked up the proper fonts for people who are dyslexic so that it's easier to comprehend (laughs) i did all these little inclusion steps so like i'm glad like what you said like you know it was easy for you to read i'm glad (laughs) that all these years of work have actually turned (laughs) out (laughs) yeah no and it shows like you can tell when an RPG, like I find, there's a, there's two RPGs that are made. There's the RPGs that are a labor of love, where you can tell that the creators love what they're doing, and even if they never made a penny, they would still do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's ones that are made solely for profit, and mm-hmm. you can tell which one of these are so quickly, and it's so nice to see this. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> that's a big compliment because it, it definitely was a labor of love. That's for sure. But it was so fun. It is it fun. Used to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it always matches our company slogan. Our slogan of "This is going to be fun." Like that's the whole point behind this game. See, that's a lot better than mine. I'm just pretending to be a smart person. <laughs> oh, I think. Well, I for sure. I don't even know if I'm pretending to be a smart person. <laughs> How many times this time have I been like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought it sounded cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, we're all pl- role-playing as smart people. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but it sounded cool, so let's put it in there. That is that is so important, though. Yeah. To just think of something that you think is cool, because other people will also think it's cool exactly that's always my biggest advice i give to other creators too when they ask me like well what advice do you have for us i'm like look create it for yourself not for somebody else make it and i'm like i'm like it kind of sounds selfish but no 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 you need to make this game for yourself so that you can enjoy it so that you can then be passionate about it and share it with other people and then they can enjoy it as well And other people is such an amorphous moving target. You know what you like. It really (laughs) is. You know what? That that is such good advice. Um, I usually, on these interviews, I like to ask, actually, what's your one advice that you give to someone? Mm. And that one, it... I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. It is so on point because I find a lot of people are so worried about how 
this is going to be perceived, that is going to be perceived, mm -hmm. that they kind of forget that they're supposed to be, that they're creating this for themselves to also enjoy. And exactly. Yeah. No, that honestly, some really sound advice there. Yep. That's the advice I always get because, you know, the worst thing to happen is you lose passion about it. Oh, and yeah. if you constantly try to design something to please everybody else, you're just going to fall short. But if you're designing it to please yourself and have a good time with it, then you're never going to fall short below that line because you already know what you're going to enjoy. True words have never been said. <laughs> uh, so uh, when exactly do you plan? Uh, when are you planning to uh, release the Kickstarter? Uh, oh, my God. Three days. Um, <laughs> June 6th. So this upcoming Tuesday, uh, you know, uh, as of recording this, of course. It's um, going to be out on Monday, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow. Hey, there we go. <laughs> uh, we're launching at uh, 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so 11 uh, a.m. for you and 10 for us. But um, yeah, we're excited. We're, we're we're hoping to, you know, not just meet our goal, but like supersede our goal a ton because we want to make this book as good as possible. And then we have some really fun stretch goals in mind, one of which, uh, you know, noble gave me the inspiration for uh and now my mind just going everywhere book. for it is a spell book i'm so sorry i really want that though <laughs> i really want it too <laughs> yeah it's gonna have like 300 something spells in it it's gonna have like this cool looking i'm already starting to work on the the, the cover because i'm like well this has to be a thing now even if we don't get funded with it, it has to be a thing sometimes so like i'm working on like a cool ancient looking tome cover and you know i want to get like tons of artwork of the spells being cast and stuff like that so like that's one of our higher end goals that we're going to try to get to but it's all oh, that's that's awesome yeah, we're excited we're very excited yeah no doubt well uh i think that's we're getting around that time um uh, mm -hmm. i'd like to thank you both for joining us uh joining me today this was really enjoyable and, and it's fun to go back to a product that we talked about well, that I talked about quite a long time ago, and it's mm -hmm. fun to see how much it's evolving through like it's evolved since even the last time I talked to you. And mm -hmm. honestly, yeah, well, again, thanks. thank you so much. Well, no, thank you. Well, thank, thank you for you. having us. No problem. We uh, we always enjoy talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys ever want to come back for an episode just to talk about tabletop in general, you are mm -hmm. more than welcome because. Uh, I don't know if um, you've ever if you've listened to any of our other episodes, but we literally just don't stop talking about it. RPG. Yeah, I have listened to your other ones. It's fun. <laughs> There's a lot to a lot of ground to cover there. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh God. So much. <laughs> Many opinions to be had. <laughs> oh God, you should see like you should see our um, our Discord. Like we have these ebbs and like ebbs and flow of conversation, but we've literally gotten into like three hour conversations with like three, four, five people, all of us just like, and from the outside, if you were just watching, you'd be like, my God, these people are arguing, but no, we're just continuously like challenging each other's opinions on certain aspects or ideas in RPGs. And it, it, it's honestly, it's insane. And yeah, that sounds like noble that. and nice conversations. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys we, will fit right in. <laughs> I feel like if anybody saw our Discord chat, they'd be like, man, they these two are like, they hate each other, don't they? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, uh, 100%. There's actually, there's been a few times where someone's been like, 
why are you challenging me in this? And he's like, I'm just questioning you because I'm yeah. interested in your point of view. It's like it, it. The one thing I find always with Discord chats or conversations like that, and it's the same thing with any kind of. We're going way off topic here, I know. Uh, <laughs> but nice. you you can't ever you can't see the tone. You can't yeah. read tone. So there's times where it's just like people will take it as like you're being so aggressive, but really it's just. No, I just want to learn more. You could be enjoying the hell out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like, I love my conversations with, with Noel, it, you know, because we both have very strong opinions about stuff. Yeah. And then we hash it out, and eventually it ends up being, like, a hundred times better than it started with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because both of us understand compromise and how to mm. make stuff better, and it's great. <laughs> Never work with a partner that you can't <laughs> compromise with. That's something I... <laughs> Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Never work with someone who cannot compromise. Like that that's the biggest thing in in being partners and stuff. Like you have to learn to respect the other person's opinion and then see how you can like mesh your opinions together. Yeah. <laughs> no, very very true. Uh but on that note, folks, uh thanks for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I did. And we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.